folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch some baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind, when you want to hit the reset button. Reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider, presented by Scout Logistics and Symbol, your stock market for sports. Matthew Collar, along with Pro Football Focus's Eric Eager from PFF Forecast Podcast, which gets many, many mentions on this show, especially the Thomas Dimitrov interview, which was just terrific, Eric. How are you? I'm doing great. I think uh, this time of year is so much fun because there's so much scenario planning. There's so many things that are I mean it's sort of right up our alley where you know anything could happen and yet not that much changes I know this is airing a little bit after this but you know the Orlando Brown trade to Kansas City and you know the the Chiefs have the same exact win total that they did pre-trade as they do after trade and they have the same uh probability to win the Super Bowl according to the markets so like we 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 talk about these moves all the time as if they're life or death for a team and, you know, when you look at the very acutely at 2021, they don't matter that much because everything sort of comes down to what we've talked about forever, which is Kirk Cousins and, the, you know, and, and what he does for the Vikings at what price he does it for. OK, well, let's talk about Orlando Brown anyway, because there's a tweet that I get all the time and I sort of don't know what to do with other than just sort of wave my hands at it, uh, which is. What could Kirk do while he's laying on his back because of the offensive line? And what I don't get is that, okay, yes, I agree that the offensive line needs to be better, but do I think you need to do something ridiculous like trading for this much for Orlando Brown because of, you know, a, a pressure rate that we're only talking about maybe a difference of a pressure or two per game. And the fact that Kirk causes a lot of his own pressure, 15% of his own pressure was caused by him last year, according to PFF, which the only guys ahead of him on that list are scrambling quarterbacks and terrible young quarterbacks who don't know what they're doing out there yet, like Drew Locke. And, and so I think like, yes. Yes, on the offensive line, totally agree. It has been egregious that they have allowed the offensive line to rank 28th, 29th by PFF's pass blocking. If you're going to sign a quarterback for this much money who holds on to the ball, you have to protect him. But let's not go nuts here and just point at offensive linemen and say, get that one because you see one available. I mean, I, I guess I, I have this push and pull all the time. It's like the guy has never been hurt here and anywhere and set career records here each year. And yet it's still like Kirk can't do anything without an offensive line. I mean, I just don't know what to do with this, Eric. 
Yeah, I, I yeah, that, that's a great point. I mean, because one of the things, you know, when you look at evaluating quarterbacks that gets hidden, um, and, and both of you and I are Justin Fields fans, uh, I think very much so. I'm a little bit more towards Zach Wilson. Um, but one of the things that you look at his his hidden weakness is that he, you know, I think Fields last year, 20 of his pressures, 28% of them, but 20 total were attributed to him. Right. And that's something where you look at how accurate he is. You look at how good he is um, at throwing the football. You look at some of the amazing plays he made against Clemson in the college football playoff. But that's a hidden thing that's not in the data for Lawrence or Wilson or even somebody like Lance, although Lance is interesting, uh, you know, from an evaluation perspective. And that's the sort of thing when if you do enough pro football referencing and enough, you know, breaking down. Yes, you can find the thing where Kirk has the best passer rating among players X, Y, Z. But like there's these hidden things that make him not, you know, not more than the sum of the parts. And and I sort of like to think about quarterbacks that are paid as much as cousins. You know, Wilson turned Metcalf into a star, even though Metcalf makes second round money. Um, you know, Tom Brady made Tristan Wirfs into a rookie of the year, um, even though it's really hard to be a rookie of the year when you're a tackle. If you're going to make that much money at the quarterback position, you have to elevate the play of those around you. And, you know, when you look at some of these historically great quarterbacks, they don't always have elite offensive lines. In fact, they often elevate the play of their offensive line. And if Kirk Cousins is going to be take the next step as the Vikings quarterback, that's what he's got to start doing. Yeah, and that's not going to happen at this point. I mean, he is who exactly he's going to be. And so this is not me saying they don't need to improve. You absolutely can't have Dakota Dozier playing left guard for 16 games. That's just in inconceivable how anyone would sign off on something like that. A, a guy who um, I was talking to someone who used to cover the Jets was like, guy's still in the league, huh? Like not only still in the league. <laughs> but started a whole season. I mean, I, I mean, as a backup, okay, fine. But like winning a starting job, how do you let that happen? I think is a totally fair response. Um, but you need to look a little deeper at the fact that, you know, Tom Brady only caused about 4% of his own pressure versus 15% from Kirk cousins. And so, you know, the, the bar that you need to be better is probably higher than you're able to reach even through free agency moves or whoever else you could sign or whoever else you can draft this year, which we'll get into, you know, talking about that in a second. But one thing to point out is 2016 Kirk cousins had a really great offensive line in Washington and he graded an 80.6 by PFF. He's graded higher than that the last two years. So it's just, it's not like, oh my gosh, you could just never do anything with this. It needs to be improved for sure. But sometimes I feel like it's almost used as a way to be like, oh, but it's not really, it's not really the quarterback's fault. It's just, it's this, it's this, it's this, it's this. Like, okay, I agree that you need to improve the offensive line and that there have been some crimes committed there on the offensive line. But I also think that, you know, a lot of those games, just, you know, a no show, a pick six, a strip sack where you're holding the ball too long. Like a lot of them are determined on a few plays that are big mistakes that had nothing to do with the offensive line. Yeah. And, and that's, the, and, and, but the hard part is, is when, so when you're the 2017 Vikings and, and you are 13 and three and you, you go and you try to, you know, win a Super Bowl the following year and you sign cousins to that deal, like the goal isn't to get good quarterback play and excuses everywhere else. The goal is to win a Super Bowl. And like, I can tell you right now, like 
Kansas City is not saying, well, look, Mahomes, Mahomes did his job against Tampa Bay. Like, that's that's what we're going to rest. Our, no, I mean, you know, for better or worse, they're going out and getting getting Mahomes less excuses or, you know, another approach they could have taken was to say, look, Pat, you're making a half a billion dollars. You you're less, you know, you get less excuses. And that's kind of the tough love I give with cousins. It's like you're you're not being paid to put up great statistics. You're being paid to engineer a great offense, which he at times has. But you're also but but you haven't been consistent enough to win games with that engineered great offense. And in many ways, because of, you know, the resources that 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 he garners uh, as the the quarterback. Now, if they go and take Christian Derrishaw, let's say 14 or they get lucky and Rashawn Slater falls there or Elijah Vera Tucker and they they sort of move. They have him play interior and they they work around at tackle. Let's say I mean, Matthew, what do you think about like if they had Rashad Hill, Elijah Vera Tucker and then uh Brian O'Neill at right tackle like you know Brian uh you know Rashad Hill's been okay at left tackle before they get an elite level prospect out of the interior of the offensive line to go with Bradbury like they could do well but the but the onus comes on to Kirk Cousins though to protect his offensive line uh better than he has over the past three years yeah no and and that's something that probably won't change now let me just first again clarify like I'm talking about specifically when we look at an Orlando Brown trade and say, why didn't the Vikings do that? It, to me, I take that as guys, you can't just say, this is the difference. Like Orlando Brown is the difference. Orlando Brown didn't even play as well as Riley reef did for you last year. So the, the idea that it's, Oh, well, you, if you get this tackle that just completely changes everything. I, I, I just don't see that. And I also don't see, you know, a huge difference, you know, with cousins from a, bad offensive line to a mediocre offensive line, which is probably where you're going. Now, the idea of drafting Vera Tucker, I really like that. I mean, I, I think that that makes a lot of sense for them because the pressure on Cousins often comes up the middle and Vera Tucker, even if he's not 100% ready as a rookie, it's got to be better than what they've had. And so get get to that point and continue to add some weapons and find some other players that are late free agency ads. Like this just right now, your roster probably is an eight or nine win roster. And so things have to happen here in the draft and through the rest of the way to change. It's like, uh, what you ever see that meme? That's like, change my mind. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay, you're, you're a nine win roster right now. Change my mind. And even Vera Tucker, which would not excite anyone. I would support a move like that. But that's what I was going to ask you is broadly like, Who's the best realistic player the Minnesota Vikings should take? Yeah, that's a great, I mean, if they really want, if they really want to sort of take, here's one that I think people might be surprised at, but at 14, they're going to have a, they might have a chance at Devonte Smith. That's the best player they can take. I agree with you. Yep. I agree with you a hundred percent because I think that, uh, the production you're going to get out of an offensive lineman in the first year versus even if you brought in Eric Fisher, even if you signed an offensive, uh, you know, an offensive guard late, or if you draft a guard in the third round, which of which there should be a number of them who are decent prospects versus creating an unstoppable group of weapons. I know that people get sort of tired of me talking about, you know, the wide receiver three and all that, but it's really about like when you look at, what cousins did in Washington with the weapons that he had, why that hasn't tried to be repeated here 
is kind of puzzling to me and why they've left it to, well, Laquan Treadwell will be fine there. Chad Beebe will be fine there. And I get trying to improve the defense, but not signing another wide receiver. It kind of leaves the door open for if it's Devontae Smith, you should really just take him. I mean, I'm not concerned about the fact that he doesn't weigh a whole lot. I'm a little jealous of his weight, honestly. <laughs> but, um, but uh, you know, that, that doesn't, that doesn't scare me away. I think he'll be a really good player. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, and, and the thing is, is like, we're seeing like, this is where the Vikings and I was watching um, the 1998 draft. I think, I think you would love, you know, that I was watching that the other day and the, the, the grin on Dennis Green's face when they interviewed him after he drafted Randy Moss, I, I think we should be hung up in Canton, but like the, 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 you know, I think Waddle goes before before Smith. Obviously, I think Chase does as well. I think there's over a ninety percent chance in the betting market that that happens. And when you look at you look at Devontae Smith, like it's almost like too good to be true for them. When you're talking about his separation ability, when you talk about his um, ability to make plays after the catch, um, he's even pretty good at contested balls despite being that small. And you know, when I think about in Vikings history. You know, the 2000 and, or sorry, 1998 Vikings, the 97 Vikings were nine and seven. The 96 Vikings were nine and seven. Both teams, they won one playoff game those two years. Uh, that was the only playoff game Dennis Green had won prior to, uh, you know, 98. Chris Carter was third all time in touchdown receptions by a wide receiver before Moss was drafted. So you had elite level wide receiver play on that team and you had a bad defense. You had a good offensive line for sure and a good running back. But the wide receiver, the extra weapon, took your offense to such another level that you, the teams couldn't touch you. And, you know, if I'm the Vikings and I'm thinking, okay, what's there? No one player's fixing that defense. That defense is either going to be okay because Zimmer can mess with all these veterans or it's going to be terrible again. Um, and no one player is going to fix the offensive line. But one player at the skill position, at wide receiver, can take that offense from, you know, good, you know, but not good enough to overcome some of the issues that they have to a Super Bowl contending team. Hey, everyone. Anybody who listens to the show knows that Sam and I may not be scratch golfers, but we love to have a great time playing golf. And that's why we have partnered with Birdie Golf in Woodbury. Birdie Golf is hands down the best indoor golf experience you will ever have. There are eight of the world's best golf simulators where you can sharpen your swing and luckily for us, never lose a ball. But it's not just for hardcore golfers. Birdie Golf is for everyone. Bring the family, play arcade style games while dining on great food in an upscale and comfortable environment. They have private bays for social distancing, a luxury lounge for private events, outdoor patio, and scratch kitchen. You'll want to try the whiskey or beer float flights and the best boneless wings in the metro. Make golf a night out or the place to hold parties, events, fundraisers, even your fantasy football draft. Check out Birdie Golf at 494 in Valley Creek in Woodbury, just a short drive from anywhere in the Twin Cities metro, and at birdiegolf.com, or you could call 651-998-2200 today. I'll see you there. 
Hey everyone, we have a new special offer to tell you about with our friends at Symbol. If you go to symbol.app, that's S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot A-P-P, and sign up as a first-time user with a $20 deposit into Symbol using the promo code PURPLE, you will receive six months free of premium Purple Insider written content at purpleinsider.substack.com. So go to symbol.app. Deposit $20 if you're a first-time user, six months free of our premium written content at Purple Insider. If you are not familiar yet with Symbol, it is a new sports marketplace where you can trade shares of professional teams like stocks. So as we are fully into draft season, you're going to want to get in now with your team before their stock rises. Here's how it works. You buy stock of teams, and when your teams win, you earn cash payouts that are instantly deposited. So check it out, symbol.app. Follow them on Twitter at Symbol Exchange and check out the marketplace for sports. I think about even by a way of like, I'm always trying to think about different ways to think about this and by the sheer number of plays that another dynamic wide receiver and a guy for the future, by the way, I mean, it's not like Adam Thielen's super young, but how many plays they could have that would be majorly impactful versus the number of plays that an Elijah Vera Tucker would impact over a regular starting guard, not named Dakota Dozier, someone who's better than that. Cause I agree a thousand percent with all of you about, you can't have it be ridiculous at left, left guard. But uh, I think it's a lot. I mean, I think it's a lot more than we think it is because we look at how often they play, you know, 11 personnel and say, well, it wasn't really that much and, and so forth. But then you start adding up the targets that didn't go to Jefferson and didn't go to Thielen. And you start looking closely at a lot of those third downs and fourth downs and key situations. And you start to go, man, they targeted Tyler Conklin like three times in one game on third down or fourth down. (laughs) I mean, he made plays in that game, but that's just not who you like. Why was Tyler Conklin on the field on third down and long? And, uh, you know, I just think that a lot of these games end up coming down to kind of like situations. They go a lot of the same way with a lot of good teams. And then it's, can you come through in these certain situations because you have the guys to do so and to use the, um, you know, the chiefs as an example, it was like they couldn't come through in those situations in the super bowl because they were pressured. Yes. But also when you look at like that game on tape, you also see like who was Mahomes supposed to throw it to also yeah. because they put so much emphasis on covering two guys. And I just think it's, I, I don't know. I feel like Cincinnati is having this debate too, right? Like, like what have you taken away? in your opinion, from the great Sewell versus Jamar chase debate, where it feels like it feels like theirs is much more legit where the Vikings probably won't take Devonte Smith. But um, I guess I wonder what you think about that because I've seen just like fans and former offensive linemen and everybody sort of arguing with each other over what Cincinnati should do. Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I'm generally speaking on the side of wide receiver play, um, but you know, the, you know, I think I do think so. I'm I'm on the side of wide receiver play for sure. I do think that there's a little bit more of a flat um, sort of distribution between Chase, Waddle, and Smith. One of the reasons why I think the Vikings acquiring him would be extremely would be extremely good get if you can get somebody who's within spitting distance of the best player at the position, a very valuable one at 14, like that's a great get, uh, much like Moss wasn't, you know, Kevin Dyson was taken ahead of him, but Moss was the best player at the position, but best player in the whole draft. He took him at 21. Um, I think Sewell is, is quite a bit better in many ways than the next best lineman. 
So there, there's something to be said for saying, okay, the wide receiver class is extremely deep and you can get the best offensive lineman and a second tier wide receiver. If you're Cincinnati, that's probably not going to be the case. If you're the Minnesota Vikings, if you go, you know, let's say you go Smith um, and then in the next, you know, the next round you, you, you will, for one, they don't have a second round pick. So it's a little bit different for the Vikings. Um, but, but yeah, there, you've learned, I've learned a lot. I think, you know, the, the, the offensive lineman thing, I mean, I do think the left tackle scarce, but to your point, there's we're a one we're a one left tackle league that's always going to be the way it is we've grown from a two wide receiver league to a three wide receiver league so in in over the course of the past few years the position has got a lot more scarce right yeah and uh the other thing too is like um sewell if he could play three positions would be great but it's like if the vikings draft for sean slater and start him at left tackle you still have a problem it's still the left guard is an issue. And, and who are you playing there? And, and how is that different from last year when Riley Reef was fantastic and your offensive line still let up a ton of pressure because you didn't make it at least good all the way across? And I guess that's where I get held up. And so even though I do agree that Christian Dersaw or Rashawn Slater or they, you know, get somebody, if they trade back and get somebody in the second, like Walker little, like you're yes. Okay. Invest in the offensive line. No one's complaining about that. I totally agree. I just want to know how this is going to be different from where it was last year. If you're drafting someone to start at left tackle right away and odds are that it's actually decidedly worse. Like even the odds that a rookie left tackle are better than Rashad Hill in their first year are not super high compared to just going back through, you know, the PFF grade. So that's where I think, you know, 80% of the fan base wants them to draft an offensive lineman. And I think that's great um, for the future for sure. But for this year, I'm not sure how many problems it actually solves in comparison to another playmaker that does solve an immediate problem. And now I wonder what you think about uh, on the, like the defensive side and just drafting defensive players at this point where we are in sports ball, because like you look at what determined success last year in the NFL, and maybe this will change when it's not a, a COVID season, but it was just offense, man. I mean, it was like, if you're the best offense, you are, you are rolling. You know, the Buffalo Bills have a very average defense. Didn't matter. They just steamrolled, right? And uh, Kansas City's defense was not, like, game-changing. And, again, like, they beat a bunch of great teams on the road. Are we going to see, like, barely any defensive players that are taken high? Which leads me to ask, I don't think Zimmer's a lunatic if he takes the number one corner on the on the board at 14. Yeah, I mean the 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 last time three quarterbacks were taken in the in the first three picks was also the record for the latest a defensive player was taken, which is Champ Bailey at seven to the Washington football team. Um, I think this year it's probably going to be pick ten before you see a defender. That's the way that it's looking, unless Carolina decides to go or, or Detroit decides to go there. Um, but yeah, I mean right now, for example, like J.C. Horn, you're looking at his over unders like pick thirteen and a half. You could, you know, uh, Sertan, I think is 10 and a half. Um, they, you know, they, they don't need a linebacker. They shouldn't take Parsons, but I think there's a good chance he'll be available there too. So there is something there that the issue with defense is, is the value of getting the best player is so much less because defense is such a, a product of the sum of the parts, um, especially the way that Zimmer plays it, where, you know, he's very confident that he can sort of get what he needs to get. Uh, out of defense so um uh, yeah there, the opportunity will certainly be there for Zimmer the question becomes ha, has he learned sort of like 
you know, the, the value equation and, and what, you know, what to do there. Um, because if Sertan's there, it's going to be really hard for them to pass up, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, and that's with their cornerback situation and the value of corner and how I think you need to have a very good defense. If you're the Vikings to win with Kirk cousins as well, that's, I don't think it's nuts. I just, I don't think it's a terrible idea if you're taking the best player and then Zimmer can tell us, look guys, I actually did take the best player this year uh, that was available. Uh, You made the connection between the mid nineties Vikings and right now. And I wanted to ask you more about that because I was (laughs) texting you about the 96 playoff game against Dallas, where George (laughs) Teague turned into Troy Polamalu and Ed Reed in that game and had uh, multiple fumbles caused interceptions and everything. And the Vikings got killed. And then in 97, they barely escaped with a playoff win on an onside kick for Randall Cunningham in one of the most hideous football games ever played in the national football league. Uh, But uh you know, I feel like there's a there's a, a correlation there because when I was watching the broadcast, Al Michaels and uh, Frank Gifford are talking about, uh, you know, Denny's going to need to do something here. He's going to, you know, he's going to need to take this team to the next level or they're going to hire Lou Holtz. <laughs> I don't know if you remember those rumors, but apparently those were rumors that the Vikings would hire Lou Holtz. So uh, I wonder if there's a connection there where it's like this team needs a special season next year for them to not change direction. Like if they do what Vegas thinks they do, then we probably are talking about something quite different after this. Like this feels like a very much like a pivot point in, I don't know, like the, the future of the Vikings. Yeah. And that was the same thing with Denny. I mean, Denny wrote a book about the the ownership of the team. I think in 97, 98 uh, earned a contract extension by going 15 and one. I mean, that's certainly the possibility. The other thing that happened in the NFC Central uh, in the late 90s that might happen in the NFC North is that the rest of the division falls off. Green Bay didn't make the playoffs in 98 or 90, 99 or 2000. Um, and right now, they're the, really the only team um, slated to have a winning record besides the Minnesota Vikings, who sit at eight, eight, eight and a half and overs, overs, you know, juiced over. So um, that that's, you know, that's a very... Uh, it's an opportunity to be good in a flat NFC. And, and furthermore, like, I hate to bring this up, but if San Francisco takes Mac Jones pick three, like that's another, that's another like break for Minnesota, right? Unless, you know, Detroit rebuilding, probably not going to be a good place, not a conducive place for a quarterback. Atlanta might take Justin Fields, but again, the edge will be gone a little bit because he'll take two years. Like the NFC um, you know, it is pretty flat. And if Minnesota, if a few bounces go their way, they can absolutely compete, um, you know, uh, you know, this year, um, you know, my money's not on it, but obviously you can see the path towards it. Folks, the football offseason is off and rolling, and Soda Stick has you covered with Minnesota sports-themed gear. Some of my favorite football designs that you have to check out include the Chuck Foreman Spin Doctor gear. You can commemorate Randy Moss's disgusting act on a shirt or a hoodie. And if you're old school, check out the Purple People Eaters design as well. Go to SodaStick.com and check them all out. If you use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER, you can get free shipping on all your Minnesota sports-inspired gear all of their apparel is screen printed here in minnesota on super soft super comfy shirts and hoodies you will love it plus keep your eyes and ears out for our giveaways going on on this show as well on social media follow them at soda stick co on twitter and at sodastick.com for your original minnesota sports inspired goods code purple insider for free shipping 
Hey everyone, I want to tell you about our friends at Scout Logistics, and I really do mean it when I say friends. They are fans of Purple Insider over at Scout Logistics, and since they reached out wanting to support this show, I want to tell you about what they do. Scout Logistics is just-in-time transportation for full tractor-trailer loads, and if you're wondering what that means exactly... Well, if you own or work for a company that needs shipping solutions, they are the preferred carrier of Fortune 500 companies across North America, and we have quite a few of those in Minnesota, right? They can ship perishable, non-perishable, FTL or LTL, and they have on-time delivery rate of over 99%. So if you're like them and you enjoy the show and you have shipping needs, check out scoutlogistics.com or call 855 217-2688 extension 232 to connect with them directly to find out how Scout Logistics can minimize risk and overperform and go the extra mile for your company. So I have have two more things that I have for you. Number one is kind of completely off the path here, but something that I know is going to happen this week, which is many seventh rounders will be had at some point. Uh, right now they have none, but at some point they'll have many. Now you are a PhD in math. So you, this is on you to explain to me if this is right or not. Okay. That the Vikings have consistently almost to the point of lunacy traded back and traded back and traded back and accumulated sixth and seventh round picks. And I think that it drives fans crazy to see them in the early or mid part of the third round and then end up at the back of the third or the early fourth and then pick up seventh rounder and seventh rounder. I look at it like this because they say, oh, we got to have more swings. If I have more swings against Johan Santana, I will still swing and miss at all of them. And I feel like my odds of putting a ball in play against Johan Santana are close to getting a seventh rounder who turns out to be really good. So that's my view on it is that the trade back thing is kind of nice, uh, a nice idea, like theoretically, but in application, I can't find too many seventh rounders that have been worth moving away from higher picks, you know, in, in like the third round. So you, but you math it for me. No, I think the purpose of seventh rounders is to round out trades when you don't have the right change, you know, um, that that's it, I think, you know, and if you're on the, if you're on the receiving end of a trade back, so let's say you trade back, um, you're going to pick up seventh rounders as a result. Um, they're not worth all that much, you know, six, seventh, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh rounders. They are what they are, and I don't think you should ever – they should be the byproduct of good process but not part of your process, if that makes sense. So um, that that's it. I, I You know, I, it, it's tough, I, and I don't think that – and I think that Zimmer and, and Spielman, I think, overvalue them, frankly, um, which is weird to say because we're normally team trade back, but I think that the sweet spot is rounds two. Well, in the Massey-Thaler papers set of it, like the second-round picks are the most valuable picks in – the in in the world and they were prior to the previous uh you know the cba and they i think they still are um you know seventh rounders are just you know they're 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 uh roulette you know they're they're you're putting you know money on the numbers in the roulette table and those barely ever hit this is also why i know that the vikings are going to try i'm sure to get a second round pick but I don't know if they can, because I feel like teams have really figured out that second round is a great place to be. And the Vikings recent history is fantastic in the second round, but that Ngakwe trade just keeps coming up like almost every day. Like, well, could they have done this or should they do that? Uh, if only, 
They had that, you know, you could address multiple needs with really good prospects, but now they're just really not able to do that. It's kind of like, um, if you can't trade back, then you take your player at 14 and then sit on your hands for a long time. And then even it, it seems to me like the drop off between the second and third round might be the biggest drop off of the entire draft almost every year. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, that, that generally speaking, it has what it's been like um, because of, you know, you know, basically, you know, the second round picks are basically overflow from the first round and they have something wrong with them. But in general, that thing that's wrong with them is not, you know, they're, they're still a first round prospect. And so if you're a good team that has, you know, resources to, uh, you know, put these players in good position, then you should be okay. All right. Here's my other one. Let's talk about some of the best bets in the draft. Cause that's what you guys talk about with the PFF forecast. And uh, if some folks are really desperate to bet on some football in some way or another, is it, uh, is it a best bet? that Justin Fields will go number three to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's complicated, but right now you can get him for plus 250, meaning if you if you bet $100 for him to go third, you win $250 plus your own bet. So um, you need that to happen 30% of the time for you to break even. Uh, I think that he's at least even money with the other two guys. Um Lance and and Jones a lot of people think Jones is going there um but yeah I think Fields and Lance are both great bets you know one of them's plus 250 one of them's plus 300 um you know the not Mac Jones bet I think is the best bet okay so you're finding Mac Jones bet to be kind of dangerous then and and I think this too because I don't really have I mean I don't really believe that he's going to go number three for one and then I also think is he the guy that everyone sort of pretended to be excited about so they could try to maybe make another team think you should be excited about Mac Jones? I don't know. Like there, there was a guy in our locker room chat the other night that made a very strong case that Mac Jones is a great prospect, but then again, I watch it and go, I'm not sure. I just, I, I don't know. Like if, if he was the guy that fell and fell and fell and they were going to his house and saying, Mac, how do you feel about falling down the board? Like, would we be really shocked? I wouldn't be. No. And, and I, God, I hope that's the outcome. I mean, <laughs> but, like, cause, cause I, I, you know, and this is the part of the issue with betting is like, you don't want to coach your bet. Like if I could, if I could bet on the Vikings and then make sure they throw the ball to Justin Jefferson 15 times, then I'd be much more confident than just betting on them anyway. Um, but if I, if, you know, if, if it was me, I would never trade three first round picks for Mac Jones. Like it just would not happen, but obviously that's not me making that decision. And so, you know, when I, when I say that, you know, Justin Fields is a good bet. When I say that Trey Lance is a good bet, I'm more embracing the fact that it's more uncertain than the Michael Silvers and the Mike Lombardi's and all those guys are saying less than I'm saying, I expect Justin Fields to be the pick there. I, uh, you know, I, I do think that the logic makes sense for Mac Jones to fall out of that spot, but you know, we are seeing, uh, you know, people that are respected say that he is the pick. So, so that's why we play the game as Chris. That's right, we play the game. All right, give me, give me some more. Give me some more that you guys talk about all the time for good bets. Uh, yeah. Um, gosh, this is so. Let me 
uh man there was one that we 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 talked about literally on air the other day and the price moved while we were talking about it which was <laughs> crazy to sort of think of if if we had that sort of influence um i like jalen phillips plus 200 to be the first defensive lineman taken um so he's quitty pay is currently the favorite to be the first defensive lineman taken i did like christian barmore at seven to one he's now four to one that was the one we were talking about but i think jalen phillips has a chance to be the first rusher to edge rusher taken um where and he's not the favorite so you get a two to one payout there um the last one i do kind of like is i do like micah parsons is currently four to one to be the first defender taken um sertan and horn are the favorites but part of me just thinks like the art smock the um Matt Rule is just going to say, look, we need to get tough. We need a replacement for Luke Keekley at eight. And they're just going to take Micah Parsons uh, and, and, you know, troll all of us. <laughs> I don't think Carolina has any idea what they're doing. So I think that's totally possible that yeah. they would do something like that. Okay. Last thing uh, you, you grew up in Minnesota. And so you watched many a Viking draft and paid attention to it. I want you to tell me, the player that got drafted on draft night or even second round, third round, whatever it was that you remember being like, that's the guy. I mean, he's going to change the franchise. And then you were totally wrong. Like someone, someone that you were really excited about the pick and thought that is a great job. Vikings. I can't believe you got it right. The Super Bowl, And then totally. Well, can I tell you a funny story first? So 2005 was my freshman year at Minnesota state and we were playing our spring game. I was a football player. We had a spring game the day of the draft, which what horrible timing. I remember coming off the field and looking at one of our assistant coaches, who's a grad assistant, some slappy. And I was like, who'd the Vikings take? And he goes, Troy Williamson. And I go, no, no, with the first pick. Cause they had picked seven that they got for Randy Moss and they had picked 17 or 18 for that. There was their original pick. And I thought they'd pick like Derek Johnson at seven and then like Troy Williamson at 18. And he goes, no, they picked him at seven. And I was just like, I, I don't think I said a word the rest of the day. <laughs> um, like, and then they took Erasmus James at 18, which your which our Nailed friend Judd will tell you hated football more than anybody. Um, I also hated the fact that the Vikings drafted Percy Harvin over Michael Orr. So really, what do I know? Um, let me think. Uh, that's a uh, that's a good one. Um, oh man, that ended up being bad. Um, I'll, tell, I'll tell you one from my perspective. Where okay, just go a, for it. just as lover of draft, uh, when I was working in Buffalo, we I forget where the Bills were picking in 2013, but we had just done so much work on the top prospects, and I thought, boy, that Matt Khalil is unreal. Like this guy is crazy good. Wasn't there a story that Matt Khalil had bumped Tyron Smith over to the other side or something? They were both at USC at the oh, same yes, time. It's yes. like, man, Tyron Smith can't even get left tackle away from this guy. And I mean, you watched him just everything, everything there. And you talk about a guy who didn't love football. Well, <laughs> that became the problem, I think, along with injuries and other things for Matt Khalil. But uh, the other thing too was, and this is one thing I also love about drafts is when you decide that you nailed it way too early and then it blows up in your face. Like I think Geno Smith had a perfect quarterback rating with one of his first starts. And I was like, man, 
I knew he was better than EJ Manuel, which, you know, long-term he has been, but you know, not a starter. And the same thing with Matt Khalil, when he made that pro bowl, I remember being like, Frickin' Bill should have just traded up for that guy. He was unbelievable. Yeah. And then, you know, here we are. Well, in that year also, six-round pick Blair Walsh went 12 for 12 from 50 yards, <laughs> yards and yeah. beyond and made the Pro Bowl, including <laughs> his first game where the Vikings actually played a really good game against the Jaguars, but then got hawked from behind by something called Cecil Shorts. <laughs> call, call like a 30-yard touchdown from Blaine Gabbert to go ahead. And Ponder literally did the minimal publishable unit. He like threw like a 30 yard pass that Devin Aroma should do. And Blair Walsh came in and like nailed a 59 yarder to tie it or something. And, and then in overtime they won um, opening day. And it was like, that was the confirmation, um, you know, uh, for everything. I'll, I'll say this one. I'll, I'll, I'll back it up. Cause I actually don't think I really, I've always been a little cynical. So maybe I never fell for that, but I will say, Here's one. Growing up in Minnesota, a Timberwolves fan. I'll tell you one. Remember when they when they uh, they gave up five first round picks for signing Joe Smith under the table? Yes, yes. And yeah. and so the league took five first round picks away from me, a young kid who loves the Wolves. And in year two of that, they drafted in the second round Lauren Woods out of Arizona as a center to, to unseat and we all hated Rosho. So he was going to unseat Rosho. And I thought that this was going to be the one second round pick that actually contributed in the NBA. And I think Lauren Woods maybe made it one year in the Timberwolves. Okay. I've got a Timberwolves one too. So I started my media career in Rochester, New York, and yep. the big team in Rochester, New York, even more popular, I think, than the Bills or at least like very like closer than it should be is the Syracuse Orange men's basketball team at the at the time. Like now they've just faded. They're not really relevant or good. But at the time they had been very good. They had gone to like final fours and they had this great team when I was interning at a sports radio station and they had Johnny Flynn on this team. And they played a six overtime game the night before I had to go in early for a morning show. So we had to watch the game and everything and talk about it. And Johnny Flynn was amazing in this game. He played like 79 minutes or something and everyone fell in love with him. And all of Rochester, New York and Syracuse was like, Johnny Flynn is going to be the next great NBA point guard. And my take was, no, he isn't like, don't just. <laughs> Don't the guy couldn't shoot. Okay. So like, don't do not judge one great fun game. And the guy was a good athlete, but he could not shoot the basketball. Then Steph Curry, the, the final four was in Buffalo and Steph Curry went freaking bananas in Buffalo in front of everyone. And so my take was, if you pick Johnny Flynn over Steph Curry, I'm, I'm going to burn it all down. Like you are out of your mind. And then here we are. It's what it, I mean. I've had plenty of bad ones. I've mentioned Josh Rosen on the show before. Like, I've had bad ones. That's the best one I've ever had. It's like Steph Curry is going to be way better than Johnny Flynn. Johnny Flynn famously, I can't remember which person was in charge of the Timberwolves at the time. Maybe it was, was it Khan? David Khan? David Khan. And yeah. he was saying, Johnny Flynn, great smile. That was great was, smile. That was always the joke. He, um, but they took not only one point guard, Johnny Flynn, but two point guards, Ricky Rubio ahead of Steph Curry. Um, but yeah, and that's why they're the losingest franchise in the history of the four major men's professional sports. 
Yes. Yeah. So as we talk about the Vikings with an over under of eight and a half, it's like, well, by Timberwolf standards, that'd be like one of their best seasons ever. (laughs) So uh, anyway, Eric eager, always the best man. I listened to every single PFF forecast with you and George Shahuri. You guys have had great guests. JT O'Sullivan was also great. Our buddy Sage came on your show. So if people don't listen to it, and especially if you do like sports betting, I would absolutely, I don't understand fully. Usually some of that part of it, but uh, I get a ton out of you guys' podcasts. So I really appreciate all of your time leading up to draft season. And I can guarantee we'll do it again after the draft. I, I can't wait. This is, uh, you know, this this is my favorite place to consume Vikings content as well. It's so much fun. And um, this space is, you know, as much as Vikings fans, uh, they're passionate about their teams. And I think you fill uh, you know, you do a great job of of harnessing that. And, and, and obviously this week will be great, uh, even though they only have the, the one pick in the first two rounds. I think that the, they'll somehow find a way to make it memorable. <laughs> That's that should be like on the stadium. They'll find a way to make it memorable is exactly right. So thanks, Eric, for all of your time. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon.